This is Priya Malik, Managing Director at Step Global Group. And this is Abtin Baziri, Managing Director at Brevet Capital Management. Welcome to the Investment Migration Report. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be investment, tax, or other professional advice or a recommendation to buy or refrain from buying any security, product, or service. The views and opinions expressed are our own and do not represent the views or opinions of our employers. This morning, we have the pleasure of having Lance Lee, who is a former EB-5 investor and now U.S. citizen, join us on the show. Welcome, Lance. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Abtin. Thank you, Priya, for having me here. So, Lance, you have an incredible story. You were an EB-5 investor. You uh, became a U.S. citizen through the program, picked the right project, got paid back on that project, worked for uh, developers, worked for an, an agent in China, became one of the leading agents in that uh, uh, institution. And you've basically seen it from every angle of the EB-5 program. So we'd love to have you just tell us a little bit more about your experiences. And I know our audience at home that are trying to decide on what investment migration program to choose and what EB-5 project to choose, you know, when the EB-5 does come back, whether it's direct or indirect, they would love to hear your point of view. So why don't we get started first with how did you decide on what country you were going to migrate to? And how was that decision process? Please share that with us. Okay. So uh, actually, um, I chose the United States because I was a student here. So uh, in 2008, I came here as an international student. Uh, as you all know, we all remember 2008, we had a financial crisis. And uh, when I graduated in 2010, it was actually quite hard for everybody, including American citizens, to find jobs. So at the time, we were thinking, oh, so if I want to stay in this country, uh, what will help me? What will help me? So, of course, you know, I can go through H1B and all that. But uh, my family decides if I have the residency, the permanent residency over here will be much easier, you know, um, you know, for me to find a job. So basically, that's where it came from. Uh, so in terms of uh, getting a foreign, uh, at the time, foreign uh, residency, we did think about um, Hong Kong and the United States. But uh, I really you know, loved my time here in the United States, and I wanted to stay here. So it just like became a no-brainer. Um, I decided on AB5. I can really relate to you because I was an, I'm a Canadian citizen, so I was an international student as well. And I graduated in 2008, which was the worst time ever to graduate. And then I graduated my master's in 2010. So I completely understand where you're coming from. So I think it was a great uh, move for you to do the EB-5 program and gain your residency if, if the U.S. is where you wanted to stay. Now, one of the most important things um, that investors have to look at is the project and where they're going to invest their money. Can you share a little bit with us about um, how you evaluated the various options you had in terms of your investment, what tools you might have used to evaluate and pick the right project? Yeah, sure. Um, so actually, my experience uh, might be different from a, a, a lot of others because I did not use the agent. Actually, at the time, I didn't even know there are so many agents out there, uh, whether it's in the United States or in China. So my whole Levi journey started with uh, Google Click. So uh, Google, I started with uh, America or USA immigration, investment immigration, then EB-5 popped up. Then I started to learn about this program. So, uh, you know, then I, I don't, I didn't know where to start. So I went on USCIS website and I tried to look for, uh, 
projects over there, but all I found was all those uh, regional center names. So that's kind of like the beginning. Then I started to talk to many more people. I reach out to people like, hey, do you know anyone uh, know EB5? So then uh, there were like lawyers, uh, representative from regional centers. I talked to a lot of them. And throughout the process, I was uh, continuing doing my own research and study on the program. So uh, I, I guess just time as time went on, I was able to understand the program a little bit more. And I kind of like I had a pool of maybe 20 projects, then I narrowed them down to three or four of them. Then at that point, I decided um, to uh, visit them in person. You know, those are projects I, I, that I was really, really interested in. So this is kind of like the more uh, how I did it from, uh, you know, beginner to actually investing. And also, like, uh, like I always tell other people, uh, EB5 is a business investment, you know, even though it has the Im immigration elements in it. But at the end of the day, it's the it's a, a business investment. And actually, just a few days ago, I have a friend who's interested in uh, EB5 right now. Uh, he told me, actually, he doesn't care about the capital payback. You know, all he wants is just a green card. I told him, hey, you got to think the other way. If you can success uh, successfully get your money back, that means that probably means your green card will be no problem. So uh, I always tell people, hey, in, uh, it's a business investment, so you should look at the project from the business in, uh, investment perspective. So there are a lot of you know more technical uh, uh, side of things that I also uh, used. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be happy to share you know more specifics about my project if you want to hear that. Yeah. So you said you had about 20 projects that you were looking at at one point. Yeah. Um, exactly. I know that what I hear from a lot of my investors, what's most overwhelming for them is the documentation that comes along mm -hmm. with each project and going through that documentation. Is that something you did in detail for each of these 20 projects or did you kind of do a brief overview and then narrow it down? It's a, it's a, it's a ladder. It's a ladder. Uh, but uh, I make sure I talk to every, every one of them. You know, either, you know, it's their lawyers or, you know, people from from the project side. Uh, you know, there are many uh, ways I will filter people, I would say. You know, I, for example, uh, I would call the project, you know, because their project looks interesting. And I, I would call them and, uh, you know, yeah, there was a time that someone picked up the phone and uh, told me all the guarantees. You know, they said, hey, I can we can guarantee uh, your green card, we can guarantee a payback. So I, that, that for me is just a no-no. No matter how interesting the project might, might look to me, as, as soon as you said that to me, I would just hang up, not, not literally say hand out the phone, but politely end the conversation, but I, it would not um, be my uh, consideration anymore. But yes, you know, uh, for all the projects, they, you know, some projects, they even FedEx overnight uh, their um, business proposal to me, and I will take a brief, uh, brief look. And uh, I guess, um, you know, I would consider a lot of factors. Uh, for example, my own project, uh, at the end of the day, I, the, the one I chose uh, was the one that most, made mo most sense to me. Uh, so overall, I like to hear a sensible uh, business investment uh, story. So let me just share with you, you know, my a little background uh, about my uh, about my project. So it was a life science and technology park uh, project for uh, in Miami and by by the university. Not like uh, the location is right by University of Miami. 
So uh, the reason why I, I found it very interesting was because I know Miami uh, was on, only second to Houston being the lar one of the largest medical, medical, medical hub in the country. And I know uh, University of Miami have a very good medical school, uh, medical school. And uh, it just makes sense to have a, you know, a type of building over there. It's not like uh, just another apartment building in, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in a giant city. So it made sense. It, it looks to me, you know, there's something they need. Uh, so this kind of like a thinking that guided me at, at the beginning process. I, I wanted a, uh, you know, a, a, a very reasonable uh, business story to start with. So. Great. And obviously your project was successful and you were able to get your investment back. How long did that take for you to ultimately get your investment back? Actually, everything about my project is on time. You know, so uh, I put in my application in late January of 2011. So I got my money back in April 2015. So so everything was just on time. So I didn't have to wait extensive, you know, long period of time for my money to come back and my green card. Well, of course, at the time, you know, came came to me very, very quickly. So it was like October 2011, um, I got my green card. So everything was just on the schedule, you know, basically what's on that website uh, or according, uh, the guideline of the project of EB-5, that, that's what exactly happened to me. So it just went perfect. So Lance, University of Miami is actually near and dear to Priya's heart because she went to law school there. Oh, nice. Uh, but I uh, wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of you doing the due diligence on Google and being in the U.S., do you think you have a different experience than some students maybe being in China and doing their research on Baidu on a completely different system? For sure. I would definitely say yes. Uh, so I would say actually all the tactics, tactics, if I may say, in China might not work for me. Uh, personally, I don't like those uh, huge events, you know, just throw on like a party like, you know, presentation, you know, have all these people, you know, go up stage, go, go on, on the stage and talk to the investors. I don't really like that. But personally, I really want to uh, person to person, a smaller group, you know, I would ask all the questions I, I like. And also because I studied in the United States. So I kind of honestly, you know, I was business major. So I kind of know you know, you know, the business world is like here or the law here, you know, I have a personal experience with the law here. So I don't have maybe like unreasonable expectations from, uh, for certain things. Uh, I know, uh, you know, it's, we have rule of law here, you know, so, so you can only do so much. You can never guarantee something outside of the scope. So I have all those in mind. So I would say definitely yes, you know, and also going on Google versus Baidu, uh, there are much more uh, direct information and uh, they are all in English, which I think is very, very important. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and also, you know, like I said, I flew to Miami. I met everyone over there. I was able to communicate with them in, in English myself. Uh, so I guess um, this just takes takes a lot of uh, like the foreign or exotic, you know, element, you know, um, f for me. You know, but maybe versus for uh, investors back in China, yeah, things are a little different. I would say. 
And I think, Lance, maybe for our audience, you know, they may not know just the difference between, you know, the sales process or the investment process. You know, in, in some countries, you know, when you're talking to a regional center or project, you're speaking one on one because in many countries, people don't feel comfortable letting other people know that they want to migrate to the U.S. or they're leaving. In some countries, legally, they don't want to create any problems in the local country they're in, let's say Iran or Turkey or some countries like that. And then, you know, in, in, in China, the sales process is different where people go into a large event with two, three hundred other people and, you know, they hear a presentation and they hear from tax experts and they hear from immigration experts and then they decide whether they're going to pick that project or if they want to go to another presentation. So maybe maybe if you don't mind just giving a, a, a background to our audience, you know, how that process is, uh, you know, from your experience in, in China and other countries. Yeah, so, um, so as you mentioned, I did work for uh, agent in China, so I had the full experience over there. Uh, so yeah, it's this is like a party over there. You know, we have big events. You know, always at the five star hotels, and you know, two or three hundred people sit together and you know listen to you know maybe three or four guest speakers. You know, in, um, uh, uh, who uh, just basically teach you everything. But uh, for me, you know, a lot, a lot of the contents, for example, you know, you, people will always go on this stage and ex explain to people what is EB-5. But, you know, for me, I did that by myself on Google. So <laughs> I don't think there's any more content you can add into your presentation outside of, uh, you know, the stuff you can already find on Google. So in over there in China, it's basically people tell you what is EB-5, who are we, what are or what are projects, why our projects are great, and why should you you should go with us. Um, so I think for a good a few years, it worked. Uh, it it really did work. Um, and also like it, it's not uh, just not uh, realistic for every investor to fly over here to the United States and do the things that I did. So uh, I think it, it, in a way it's kind of like their best option at the time. Uh, but um, I think I, I also through the process, I feel like uh, the investors don't really know EB-5 that well because there's only there's so much you can learn from all those, you know, um, events. Uh, you, you spend, typically they spend like uh, three hours one afternoon then uh, after that, if the, if the clients or investors become interested, they will talk to the agents. You know, that then it becomes more of a one-on-one -on -one game. And usually it's, they will talk to the agent, the, the local agents in China. And if the local agents in China cannot answer all of, all the, all of their questions, they will invite people from uh, the regional centers to join and kind of maybe do a, uh, you know, more of a one-on-one -on -one pitch sometimes. So uh, that's how usually how that works in China, at least. Yeah. You know, Lance, it's interesting. Um, I, I had a project that um, that I funded in, in Texas, and there was north of 200 investors, all from China. Out of those 200 investors, I think I only had two site visits. And out of those site, two site visits, one of them, I mean, I had this whole tour scheduled with the you know, head of construction to show them floor by floor how the project was going to get redeveloped. And they were not interested. They just wanted to show up and see that the building was there. And I think in their eye, they've seen so much fraud or, you know, they've heard about so much fraud. I don't know necessarily if there's a lot of EB-5 case frauds, but there was, you know, obviously the ones in the press, they were just so scared. They wanted to see that that building was actually there. And then once I showed them the building, they were really interested in seeing the inside of it. They just wanted to make sure the building was there. 
yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame them. You know, it's, uh, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're already in the U.S., I would highly recommend just go visit. You know, if you're already in the U.S., just, you know, pay for your plane tickets, maybe just like, travel there. You know, for me, I mean, I, I would love to go to Miami all the time, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess, you know, in Texas, it would be great too. You know, if you are in the U.S. for any investors, I would recommend go to the project site and talk to people and get a feel of the people who are uh, going to work for you. Uh, because that's actually one of the more important elements for me. You know, that was like why my project stood out, um, you know, for me at the end of the day. I talked to them. I, I re actually, I remain friends with them even till today. I emailed them yesterday, you know, after I came back from England, you know, because we were always in touch and I let them know I went to England and, uh, you know, I, I let them know I came back. So uh, it was at a time, you know, in 2011, you know, I went, I went to Miami, I talked to each one of them and they, you know, like I said, they were not the people who would guarantee everything for, for me. You know, they were not telling me like, hey, we are 100%, 100 good. You know, I, the feeling I got was like, hey, we are highly confident in our project and we will manage it, uh, the project with our utmost care and uh, our utmost attention to detail and responsibility. That's the type of feeling that I'm looking for. And uh, I would, you know, if, I, if there's something I want to share with the future, future investors, I would say, hey, uh, let's just focus on the fundamentals, not like all those uh, flashy, you know, presentation or the hospitality they might show to you when you see them. Let's still get to the fundamentals. Let, let's look at the uh, business proposal and let's see, let's see how they are as person. So. So you worked as a uh, you worked for a migration agent in China. Was that after you went through your own EB five process? Yeah, yeah. So, and, hmm? sorry, I was just gonna ask, how, what was your role there, and what kind of things did you work on with the with the migration agency? Okay, so yeah, actually, I was like I said, I was business majored. Uh, so with my green card, I was able to um, get a job from a Discovery Channel. So I worked in the finance uh, corporate finance field for a few years. Uh, it was since 2016 that I decided to uh, take another route, maybe uh, just um, kind of like a little adventure. I look at my own resume, resume, my own experience. I felt like EB-5 is something something special. So that's kind of how it, you know, it guided into this uh, industry. So I was working for an agent in China and uh, I was in charge of the Southern uh, part of uh, China, the whole region. So I was a general manager over there. So uh, yeah, I had, I had uh, so when I joined them, actually my team will only had five people, but by the time I left, uh, we had 23 and uh, we expanded our region to um, five provinces, I would say. At the beginning, we were only two. Um, yeah, I have, I had a sales team, I had the documentation team. So basically a full team, um, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, developed uh, during my time there. And how was your experience, Lance? Um, you know, on the sales process, having been as an investor yourself and kind of explaining that process to investors? Uh, I think that definitely helps. Well, I mean, my successful stories is basically what every uh, EB-5 investors wants to have, you know. Uh, 
even though I'm not sure if they can keep the schedule so on time <laughs> as mine, you know, I got everything, you know, I, I got my money back on the time, five year time, you know, the time frame. But uh, still, they would love, they love to see someone who went through the process, you know, and successfully went through the process. So that's always something they want to get from me, uh, you know, with all those filings, five, five to six and, you know, and then all that. So, uh, like I said, I was a general manager over there, uh, actually in terms of selling the projects or like what we say, closing the deals. I was never that great at it. I, I have to admit, because for me, I love sharing my experience with them. Uh, but at the end of the day, because I was an investor myself, I always feel like that should be your decision. I'm going to share with you what I, why it helped me. You know, uh, I will share with you why I think EB-5 might work for you or your kids in the United States if they decide to stay here. I can sh always share that experience with them, uh, you know, from my own perspective. But at the end of the day, I respect their own uh, individual decision. So when I was working for the agent in China, it, it was almost uh, it, it was always like I would share with the I would talk to the uh, clients, but I don't really uh, necessarily discuss all those uh, you know deal closing uh, with them. It, it's my sales team, uh, so that's when they came in, or they or my sales team they will come in and talk to the investors. And if they need a final push or the, you know, the, uh, the investor needed a, a confident boost, that's the time I would step in, uh, or the other way around, I will talk to the investors first, then I will hand the clients to the sales team. So that's, that's usually how we did it at the time. And you worked for a developer as well. How was yeah. that experience? And was it a developer that was also involved in EB5? Yes, yes, they are. Uh, so that was after I left the agent. Uh, I left with some ideas in my mind uh, that because that was already 2018. So uh, we all know by that time, you know, things are a lot different. Uh, I was I, even in 2017, I was trying to tell people, all kinds of people, uh, you know, people, you know, we need to do things differently and we need to look at Chinese market differently. Uh, but uh, to be honest with you, very few people actually listened at the time. Uh, uh, so I left the company with a few ideas in my mind. I, I found this developer because they are, uh, they also want to do EB5 and actually they want to have their own regional center. So, for them, they will have more freedom on all the details. So that's kind of like what I wanted to, you know, so, so for me, you know, for I maybe I could implement some of my ideas into their projects. So that was the, like the uh, basic um, thought process. But uh, I would say, you know, for a developer to run a RC is quite difficult. They have, they need to have all types of person in place. And, um, they did, uh, adopt it. Uh, they did adopt some of my ideas, some of my own suggestions. And I told them, uh, China should not be your focus at that point. You know, you should really go out to other countries in Asia or in other side of the world. Uh, yeah. So basically that was, uh, that was, you know, my experience as a developer. 
So, Lance, a lot of our audience, um, you know, members of Congress specifically, uh, you know, if they're watching, they have this misconception of what a typical EB-5 investor is. I think, you know, in, in a lot of the financial press, they call it, you know, cash for visas or, you know, this is a millionaire program. And, you know, they don't necessarily understand who the average EB-5 investor is. Do you mind just taking a minute explaining, you know, your background and then, you know, what you think of an average EB-5 investor and not necessarily this this typecast that they're putting over what a typical EB-5 investor or who the typical EB-5 investor is? Yeah. So I was including myself, most of the investors that I know from China, they're middle class people. They are not really that high up there. You know, uh, most of them can do the pro investment because of the real estate bubble in China. So including me, we were, you know, we basically, we just sold a property that, uh, you know, that brought us enough money to do the project. And that's the same case uh, for a lot of investors. Mo the most common way, you know, for the source of fund was selling a property, and, you know, it, at least for my, um, uh, all the clients I worked with. So they are not, you know, when I saw the, like the, some title can, you know, put it, um, red carpet for rich people. Uh, I know it's not true or it could be true for some people, but not all of them. And I, there are so many, uh, investors that I know they actually put themselves on a lot of financial stress. Uh, that's another reason why I didn't, did not want to push them to make the EB, EB by investment in, uh, decision. Because, uh, like I said, you know, they, they have money, but their money are, you know, in their properties. So they either sell the property or take a loan out of the property. So, uh, I would say it's not typically, uh, you know, a really like a mega million rich people, you know, you would, you would think of. It's really not. Uh, what a lot of people think this, pro you know, you know, what this pro program is doing for certain type of people is really more of a middle class uh, program, to be honest. And, you know, what is what is, you know, you, you, you know, a lot of EB-5 investors that are your peers and friends. And then as an agent, you work with a lot of EB-5 investors. What is the average cross section of an investor? What does what you know, what is their net worth? What is their occupation? What is kind of, how do they look like as an investor for our audience to understand what a typical EB-5 investor is? Uh, most of the people I work for, they actually, they just have a regular job. Yeah, I would say they have a regular job. I know like factory owners or company owners, yeah, they have money to spare, but a lot of people, a lot of people I work with, they have regular jobs, they're doctors, you know, uh, maybe they work for some certain company, but, uh, like I said, uh, they have, they might, might have two or three properties in China. And, uh, if they, if they're, they're lucky, they're, they have properties in Beijing, Shanghai, or Shenzhen, one property is enough for them to do EB-5. And, uh, most of them are doing EB-5 for their kids, uh, because their kids are basically like me, you know, they, they came here as, as international students and, uh, uh, you know, they, they wanted to stay here and they did not want to go through the, uh, um, H1B lottery, uh, and the, uh, super long waiting process. So it made sense for the, for, for them. So I would say 
most of them are, I would say maybe uh, not a little bit above average or above average, you know, uh, income earners in China who have multiple properties. Most of them like two or three. So, and Lance, um, you know, there's two different mindsets in Congress. One that says, you know, this is a millionaire program and blah blah blah. The other mindset says, oh, you know, the, the EB-5, you know, should be a premium country and it should be a minimum million dollar investment. But, you know, what, what did that million dollar or the 900,000 switch, you know, do to, you know, essentially affordability for the middle class or for the, you know, a little bit above middle class investors from China? I think it will put... It will filter out a lot of people that have already investors, you know, that, that I know, you know, it would have filtered them out. That That's for sure. Uh, because like I said, you know, uh, some of them, they put, my, put themselves on a little bit of financial stress by investing in EB5. If that minimum is was uh, 900,000, probably not, not, not in the U.S. Probably they would look to uh, uh, maybe like Portugal or, you know, to some European uh, programs. So, uh, yeah, I think um, 900,000, I understand it though. You know, I always, always thought about it because, um, you know, half a million was set in <laughs> 1990. So we, if we only adjust for inflation, you know, in 2020, it shouldn't be half a million. That's my only uh, honest uh, opinion. And uh, by raising the minimum, uh, filtering out some investors, in my mind though, it's okay because, like I said, if you are, it's a little bit stretch for you to invest half a million dollars. Maybe you should not do it. That's that. That's just like that's because I, from my own experience, I met I met so many investors myself. Uh, when I see them, they put the money in. They now they are in the long ways. Uh, it just too much risk and it's not really worth it anymore. So I think, um, you know, raising a, a minimum to a certain degree, I think it's a good move, but uh, yeah, we can always have conversation and uh, argue uh, what the minimum should be, so. You know, I thank you for coming and talking about your story because with me, with my investors that I speak to on a daily basis, the number one thing is that they want to speak to someone who's been through the process and who can advise them on the same. Um, can you, do you have any piece of advice, if there's one piece of advice you would give to potential EB-5 investors who are thinking about the program, what would that advice be? I think right now, I would say you should know the whole thing. By whole thing, I mean back in 2011, for me, basically was by the book. So in 2011, I was told maybe in eight or nine months time, you will get your green card. And that was what happened to me. And uh, I was told EB-5 is supposedly a five-year investment. And I got my money back. Uh, basically on the five-year mark. So now today, because things are way more complicated, I no matter where you're from, you're from China, India, Vietnam, uh, you would, I, I would tell them, hey, get an idea, you know, how much your temporary uh, green card petition, how, how long that, that's going to take. And, uh, you know, after that, when you're going to get your green card, take all the timeline down. 
And uh, and on on top of that, the next step, your temporary, uh, your permanent green card, then your uh, capital repayment. Have everything laid out. Have every everything laid out with as much information you can have at, at the moment, and add in some variables because we know that the situation is fluid right, right now. You know, everything could change, especially for your country. You know, maybe like for a certain country, they shouldn't worry too much. For example, Russia, you know, maybe things will stay pretty much stable for them. But if you're, you're from Vietnam, you know, there are some uh, some variables, you know, that you, you have a, uh, maybe, you know, they're always a big, great example of China you can look at. So you should uh, take everything into consideration and plan your, basically your future accordingly. Does that work for your family? Does does it work for your kids? And I think with all the uh, mental preparation uh, preparation in mind, uh, I, maybe that's the best way to go. Maybe that's the best way to go. You know, that's more from uh, I mean, the whole process, the whole thing perspective. Perspective. I, I mean, in terms of uh, specific uh, investment decision, you know, a lot of people are more more of asper than i than i am so uh yeah so lance i know you invested back in 2011 where the processing times were still shorter and you had a pretty good experience but i know you've dealt with a you know with the uscis as a, as an agent and both on the developer side what what is the you know what is the attitude or what is the thought process that investors have about um uscis when they think of uscis and and how you know, our, our processing works or how, you know, timelines work. Actually, I did not have any personal experience with US, USCIS until I went to the uh, citizenship <laughs> interview. You know, that was my first time I actually sat down and talked to USCIS people. And actually that little experience, that 10 minute uh, interview kind of gave me a perspective how things work over there. So uh, whenever we think about U.S. government, you know, maybe because of Hollywood movies, you would think it's all fancy, everybody in suit and, you know, and, you know, maybe they, they're on it all the time, every minute, every second. But uh, yeah, I would like to, at least from my own experience, uh, I think uh, that's something U.S. ECIS might want to improve on as well. Maybe, you know, more personnel and uh, their more training on their own side on how EB five works or and uh, how you know how to you know prove certain petitions. I think there there are things they can uh, improve on themselves. Uh, so as for the investors, I would tell them like, hey, uh, manage your expectation. <laughs> manage your expectation. You know the, the first of all the whole system in the United States the legal system in the, in, in, in the United States was designed to move things slowly. Uh, this is very different from people maybe like from China, you know, in, you know, usually whenever the government decides on anything, you know, things move super fast, but here it's different. You know, the process that was designed to move things slowly, uh, you know, out of uh, our own um, political belief or, um, uh, you know, there, you know, the considerations. So uh, it's it's different over here. So uh, I would definitely hope, like I said, the USCIS 
could improve on their own. Uh, but yeah, then again, uh, the investors, I think it's good for them to know a little bit about the uh, legal process, how Congress work. That's why I love, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed one of your episodes so much uh, where uh, you guys discussed how things work on the Capitol Hill. I think that's very, very useful information for the investors to know. So uh, then again, it's better with that information, it, it will be easier for them to manage their expectations and help their uh, decision making process. So one of the topics I wanted to touch on with you is education, because a lot of individuals who are thinking about the EB-5 program, a great number of individuals who are thinking about it, are doing this for the education of their children. You mentioned you were already in school in the U.S., and now, as as you mentioned to me before we started the the program today that you are back in school now and earning your master's degree. So can you tell us about your experience with the U.S. education system, um, how you think it's superior to other education systems, if that is what you think, and how becoming a permanent, how it's different now that you're a permanent resident, um, your educational experience, how it may have been different from when you were an international student? Yeah, uh, it's definitely very, very different. And, and like I told you before the program, I said, you know, I, now I'm a father of two, and uh, I would tell my kids uh, when if you want, if you guys want to do uh, masters or you know some, uh, if you want to, if you guys want to do master's degree, maybe go out and work a few years, then do it because, like you said, it made totally made more sense to me. To be honest with you, for me. And I know for a lot of Chinese students, at least, we came here for master's degrees right out of uh, right out uh, after college because we actually we, we we wanted to come to the U.S. That's that's actually the number one reason. We were not here really for master of something. I think the priority number one for me at at, at the time, I knew I wanted to come to the United States of America, and. Uh, Frankly, that was not the major that I, that I was interested in. <laughs> uh, uh, but now, with all with my working experience, I was you know I wanted to come back to school, and I applied to the school, the one school I was very 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 interested, and in. I uh, you know luckily I got in. And now with uh, you know I'm back in school with my working experience, I was able to pick courses that I like. Versus 12 years ago, I basically just take units required to get a degree. So it's very different. In terms of, uh, you know, which education system is superior, I could only speak from China and U.S. perspective because that's only the two, 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 times, two kinds of uh, uh, education system that I went through. For me, I would prefer the U.S. education system for sure uh, because at you know, I I think just the uh, the range of subjects you can touch upon, and uh, the freedom to choose whatever you like. Uh, it's uh, I think I, I felt like uh, I learned I I learned much more here in the United States than in China. That's my honest view. Maybe maybe some of the viewers will not like it, but uh, that's only my personal uh, experience, my personal personal perspective. Even uh, for my first master, uh, master's degree in 
business. For that two years in、uh, American Business School, I learned more than the four years I spent in China in a Chinese college studying the same major. So, yeah, that's my two cents on education. So I just wanted to clarify something, Priya.、Uh, not only did Lance get his permanent residency, but he's also a U.S. citizen. So, Lance, I know that was a proud moment for you.、Yeah. Uh, can you just tell us when when you got paid back on your project, when you got your green card, and when you became a U.S. citizen? Oh, yeah. So,、uh, so like I said, you know, everything was on point for me.、Uh, so basically, eight and a half months into my,、uh, you know,、uh, my 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 petition. My petition I got my permanent.、Uh, my, I got my temporary green card. Then after I hold my temporary green card for four years and nine months, I apply for my permanent one. Then that got approved very quickly. And right after that, you know,、uh, I got paid back. So basically, everything was all March. You know, the the whole thing was done for me in the five year time frame. So I became a U.S. citizen in 2017. Actually, I you know the whole application started in 20. Sixteen, and、uh, it was because you know Trump became president, so all of a sudden a lot of people <laughs> wanted to become U.S. citizens. So the、uh, whole waiting time took a little bit longer. So it's I think I waited like a year and a month for my ceremony, you know, the、uh, final step.、Uh, so yeah, in、uh, October 2017, I became a U.S. citizen. So、uh, the past, you know, 2020 presidential election is actually my first time voting. Uh, in the presidential election here in the United States, yeah, I am very, very proud.、Uh, this is something I chose to do. Nobody forced it upon me, and、uh, I only do it when I believe in it. You know, I'm not. I wasn't becoming a U.S. citizen to join、uh, to enjoy all the travel freedom. You know, just because you know with, with the U.S. passport, you know, I don't need to deal with the visa anymore for a lot of countries. But it, it was be- really because I, I loved my experience here. Like I even shared with a lot of Chinese investors, I feel like my years, my time in the U.S. made me a better person. So, and I, you know, my kids were born here; they are going to grow up here. So I feel like, yeah, of course, I should care about what's going on in this country. So I was glad to, you know, make that decision and become a U.S. citizen, and find a sense of uh, belonging, uh, belonging, and、uh, you know, uh, and also adapt a new、uh, self. So yeah,、uh, that was 2017, and after that, you know, I, I'm just a U.S. citizen now. Well, Lance, I became a U.S. citizen in 1997, but I just wanted to say that we're very lucky to have you as one of our citizens. <laughs> Thank you. So Lance,、um, you know you you worked uh, um, as a developer, and then、um, now you pursued Carnegie Mellon. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about your experience, why you decided to go back to school? Yeah, so I might have、uh, touched upon it a little bit.、Uh, I left the agency because I felt like,、uh, you know, for the developer. Uh, maybe I had、um, from the developer. Maybe I had a little bit more freedom to implement some of my ideas. But、uh, and also at the same time, I respect business decisions. You know, when I told them、uh, we should move away from China or focus less on China, 
I think that was a hard sell for every company at the time because everybody was seeing great success over the years in China, so it was hard. So uh, I think I'm I tried to make changes on, in this industry. You know, maybe that's a too big of words to make. You know, in through my own ways. Like I, like I said, I was trying. I, I persuaded the real estate developers to increase the interest payment to the investors because they already own their own regional center, and uh, they have the personnel in China, so they didn't need an agency. So I persuaded them to increase the uh, interest payment to the investors. So that's you know you kind of got where I'm heading to. You know I kind of want to do more for the investors. So long story short, uh, it's hard. You know, it's just hard. Uh, so it was EB five that pushed me back to school. My original original thought was through a good university, their platform, I will be able to communicate my thinking process, my ideas to the Congress more directly, or people who are really.、Uh, On the top, designing everything, I would want to tell them what's go what's going on.、Uh, I would want to maybe help better the process. You know, that's like very big, giant idea. But、uh, this basically, you know, what pushed me back to school.、Uh, now I'm in the public policy program, so I learned a lot about the、uh, U.S. political system, how law is passed, and all that. And I would say I enjoyed it and learned a lot. Uh, and also, I became much more realistic. Like I said, I learned things are designed to move slow, <laughs> you know, on Capitol Hill. So, yeah, I would say,、um, yeah, I, I, I love my experience. I don't regret a day coming back to school.、Uh, I'm, I still have one more year to go, and、uh, I'm gonna use every single day of it uh, to uh, work towards my goal. Maybe is it won't be exactly the way I wanted before I came back to school, but、uh, hopefully I will. I can still find a way. So with everything going on, you obviously know everything that's been going on with EB five over the past few months.、Um, a lot of changes happening. A lot of potential changes happening. Um, what potential advice would you give to U.S. Congress in terms of the EB five program if there were some changes that you wanted to see?、Mm, good question.、Uh, good question.、Uh, actually, for U.S. Congress, I was I will speak from another perspective because I also listened to I, I joined some conference calls.、Uh, maybe、uh, USCI. No, I mean、uh, IUSA organized.、Uh, You know, a few weeks ago,、uh, when I heard people saying they are explaining to U.S. lawmakers, it's、uh, this program、uh, has economic benefits. They always will try to speak from the academic.、Uh, uh, you know, it's better for the economy. You know, it's costing U.S. tax taxpayers no money. You know, to bring in all the investments and create jobs and all that. I like that. But at the same time, I feel a little offended because I, I, for me, it's more than a program about the economy. Is a program actually would not be successful without the investors. So I will want them when they, whenever they talk to the Congress, you know, it's about the local economy for sure. 
But at the same time, the, the congressmen will they they must know, you know, what 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 we are going through right now. The amount the amount of pain it might have brought to the investors, you know, who have created local jobs here. And like I said, I know people who put themselves on financial uh, financial stress by investing in EB five. I hope the Congress should know this type of stories as well. And also, like I've, I have lived here in this country for thirteen years now. Thirteen、uh, years now, I know everything how everything works. I know it would be hard. It would be a hard sell or a more difficult sell because EB five not like DACA. Or any other immigration、uh, issue, optic-wise, it does nothing for the lawmakers,、uh, and、uh, it does nothing for their constituents. So there's really no pull for the U.S. Congress, and that's something I hope the whole industry can think of a way. Be I don't know, find find a way to. You know, attach EB five to a greater cost. You know, in the process, like I said, I want the congressmen to know there are people suffering, investors suffering overseas, waiting for their green card. That's the toughest part for, for me, because I I understand、uh, people's argument about DACA kids here in the in this country, and I fully support that. But at the same time, because I'm in this industry, I was investor myself. I saw everything. I know so many. I personally know so many investors. I know they also they they are also putting into a very very bad situation by an existing U.S. law. So I would yeah, me personally, if I see a congressman, my focus will always be on top of the、uh, economy. You know, there are people. There are people you need to care about. You know, find a way one one way or the other. I'm and also I'm glad to hear people are talking about the bridges, the shortened bridges. If you uh, actually、um, EB five investors, they interviewed me.、Um, I think back in twenty twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen, they still have an article、uh, about that interview on their website. I talked about the short term bridges back then. You know, advance parole. You know, EAD and all that. I I I said that back back in the days, and I'm glad to hear people are still talking about it. Hopefully, that means people are still pushing it because I know things move slow. So hopefully, at some point, we can get to that. So yeah, and also it's kind of frustrating for me. It still hasn't happened.、Uh, so yeah. That's basically. I really do want the U.S. lawmakers to consider all the perspective. I, because me personally, I don't see anything wrong about investment immigration. You know, the United States is not the only country who is doing investment immigration. Every major developed country has their own investment immigration program or developing country. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and and like we discussed earlier, is not really a You know, red carpet, red carpet for rich people only. So it was, it's not really that bad of a object, in my opinion. So、uh, I think it's a good program. It has all the benefits, and but the U.S. lawmakers just need to take all perspective into consider,、uh, consideration a little bit more, in my opinion. 
Lance, that, that's very helpful. I mean, <clears throat> like you said, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that this is a, you know, green card by the red carpet for you know, Chinese millionaires. But in reality, it's, you know, middle class, maybe upper middle class. There are some high net worth individuals, but that's not the majority. The majority is people like you, people are the students who borrowed money from their parents to do this, to, you know, to get their own share of the American dream. And I can tell you, you know, we're, we're, we have negotiations behind the scenes on the you know, future of the EP-5 program. One of the things we're pushing is advanced parole because these investors, whether from China, India, Vietnam, or wherever, they have done exactly what they were supposed to do. Congress asked them to put money, create jobs, and create economic activity. They did that because we have a slow immigration process, because we have visa backlogs. These people have done exactly the, what they're supposed to do, and they're sitting there. They have to wait 5, 10, 15 years to, to get their residency. So they, the solution is to give them advanced parole, to get, allow them to come here and start jobs and go into school. And that is something we're pushing for. But I could tell you that I'm hearing that the political climate may not be there right now, given China-U.S. relations, to get that done. And although we're hearing that, we're still pushing for that because politics aside, this has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with the people that did what they're supposed to be doing and the government hasn't done their, their, their side of the bargain. And, and we agree with you. Any final thoughts, uh, Priya? No, I, th I think you said it just right. And I think Lance did as well. Um, this is about the immigrants. It's about the people. And, and I think there definitely needs to be some evolution in the program and um, some changes made to offer greater stability to these people who, like you said, Epteen, have done what they're supposed to do in terms of the program. And they just want um, want what's what's owed to them in return, which is the green card and the ability to come to the U.S. and work and live in the U.S. Um, so I definitely agree on that front. So that was very helpful, Lance. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, Lance, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I think our audience would really appreciate your insights. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here and sharing your story. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. No problem. It. No problem. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you uh, for giving me the uh, opportunity. To contact the Investment Migration Report, please email Priya Malik at Priya, P-R-E-E-Y-A at stepglobalgroup.com or at Team Vaziri at the Investment Migration Report at gmail.com or connect to our pages on LinkedIn and YouTube. Thank you for listening.